Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to Out of the Woods. My name is Justin, and his name is slightly less drunk Matthew. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. We, and could, we could take that again if you don't want me to say that. No, that's fine. And this is Out of the Woods, a Yellow Jackets podcast. And uh, yeah, as as you may know, Matthew, you were pretty damn uh, sourced last episode. Yeah, yeah, I think the stresses of life were getting to me a bit that week. Haven't we all been there? But yes, no, we are in... Happier times and less to sourced times now, because we are going to be discussing episode 7 of season 2 of Yellow Jackets, Burial, which is quite a damn good episode. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about in it. Uh, but just before we do, uh, Matthew, what have you been up to lately? I have been uh, playing a lot of the Bard's Tale ARPG. You oh, know, right. A lo- lot of people are playing the new Zelda game. I'm playing a game from <laughs> 21 years ago. You know, uh, other than that, I've been watching Reanimator. Ah, oh, nice, and nice. And Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> Which would you say you prefer? Well, I don't know. They both have their merits. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of Stuart Gordon movies, I think the best one is probably either Reanimator or From Beyond, you know. Which is also a good movie. Great fucking movie. you, you got to love Goop. <laughs> you do, yeah. We're declaring that you have to. Oh, uh, yep. yeah. I've, uh, I've been good. I've been enjoying my new job. Uh... Of course, my new job requires quite a lot of speaking. So uh, at the previous episode, we recorded immediately after I got home from doing it, and the context of that was that my voice was growing very uh, cracked and parched indeed towards the end there. You might have picked up on that. So for the rest of the evening after the record, I needed to communicate to Matthew exclusively through typography and text-to-speech. Which was hilarious. I, yes, it's exactly as funny as you were thinking. But no, yeah, I'm I'm good. I uh, recently... Uh, have been watching the show, like everybody and their mum and their dad and their dog have been watching the show Succession. It's really quite good. And also rewatched the movie Syndromes in a Century. Fantastic movie. And um, yeah, also watched the movie uh, Secret Sunshine by Lee Chang Dong, a powerfully moving South Korean film. I highly recommend that one. He also, he, he did a Burning. Uh, you've seen, you've seen Burning. Ah, uh, yeah. Where they do some burning. Yes. It's because I, 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 because I've read the Haruki Murakami short story that's based on. I was like, it's like a five-page story. How did they make that a two and a half-hour movie? But they did. They did. Yeah, we are not here to discuss any of those things. We're here to discuss Burial, episode seven of season two of Yellow Jackets, directed by Anya Adams, written by Rich Monahan and Liz Fong. Uh, Matthew, what did you think of this episode? It was a damn good episode. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I like this episode. I like this episode. Um, when I first wrote these notes, I said I liked it, but not quite as much as some others in the season. Because I said, oh, I had some amazing scenes, but I didn't think they were arranged as elegantly in some previous episodes, as in some previous episodes. And maybe that's true, but I think I appreciate it more now. I think, you know, I think this is a damn good episode. It has a lot of very interesting stuff. 
it's about. big upon that. Yeah, and no. <laughs> but no, like, it's obviously an episode that is dealing with the aftermath of the horrific events of the previous episode, and it does so in a very interesting way, and I think sets things up in a very interesting way. And, oh, man, everything to do with Coach Ben is just... I am so interested to see what they do with him, you know? Other than eat him, mm. obviously. <laughs> uh, poor guy. We open on some really beautiful panning shots of the snowy wilderness, set to Nirvana's Something in the Way. Matthew, thoughts on that song? Well, uh, Nirvana used to be my favourite band uh, back in 2008. <laughs> nice, yeah. You know, it, it's not now, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, I liked the lyric about fish not having any feelings. Yeah. Like, yeah. dare you to prove otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody is lying about the cabin, being sad as fuck. Shauna is borderline catatonic, holding her offspring in a furry shroud. It's really, yeah, everything to do with Shauna in this episode is fucking heartbreaking until the end when it's terrifying and also heartbreaking. Ty tries to get Shauna to drink some water. I, just, I love how they portray Ty as, like, trying to help her in a well-meaning but totally ineffective sort of way because she's a very solutions-oriented person. Like, yes, you should get up and about and make yourself busy. But, like, that doesn't always help for depressed-as-fuck people, you know? Probably neither does the, the last scene, but you never know. Well, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe it does. But, yeah, Lottie notices that the snowfall has stopped. The Yellow Jackets work together to pull open the door and a small avalanche of snow barrels into the room. Ty suggests that Shauna should take a walk and get some fresh air. That, as I said, that's not exactly what I think Shauna needs right now. But it is, you know, it's nice that she's trying to help. As the Yellow Jackets shovel snow out of the cabin's, you know, general yard area, Shauna, ah, oh, this is fucked. She buries her baby in a cairn of large stones and lays them on top of each other and repeats for the final time it's you and me against the whole world fuck me yeah i i really hope that Karen stays up you know it doesn't get knocked down by a wolf or something you never know no but yeah uh we cut to a remixed version of the credits it was interesting but i prefer the original and uh yeah after the credits in the present the Yellow Jackets are putting their pocket objects in a bowl as Shauna, Ty, and Van are inducted into the cult. For the day, at least. Yeah, Ty is like, uh, Have you two joined a cult since we last saw you? <laughs> Lottie responds, as she so often does, that they are an intentional community. Van very astutely asks, What is the intention? Yeah, jury's out on that one. I think it will become clear in the next two episodes. Nat says that about a week ago, Really? A week ago? Busy fucking week. She had a gun in her mouth until Lottie found her. Apparently, she had put walls up, and now they're finally starting to come down. This is quite the reversal. But I think it makes sense considering how vulnerable Nat is right now. She's just looking for anything to grab onto. And I think the next two episodes might make her reconsider that decision a bit. Let's hope those walls don't come down on her or her close friends and let's hope if they do it's like in a Bugs Bunny cartoon where it's the exact shape of the outline of you so you're fine yeah Natalie says they will all benefit from dealing with the dark shit they brought back with them now that I agree with but I just don't know if this is the ideal environment for that cut to Ty and Van in the past cleaning snow out of the fire pit Ty is very sad and says that she really thought he was going to make it 
Van points out, validly, yet quite depressingly, that he probably wouldn't have lived long even if he had survived the birth. Van says, I just think it's time we woke up. Her usual ability to play off horrible situations with a joke seems to have at last deserted her. Van says that that doesn't sound like her. Van tells her that she kept surviving things that should have killed her, and she thought that it meant something, that, that she had some kind of purpose. But, as she says, I'm not fucking seeing it, Ty. Is this the first step of Van losing her faith in Lottie? Is it the death of Shaunda's son that first sets her on that path? It would be a very understandable, you know, first fallen stone of a collapsing bridge. Ty responds that Van helped her see, hear, and sleep. She would be dead without her. She says, I need you, Van. It's actually, yeah, it's kind of cute, actually, in this horrifying context. She replies that she needs her, too. But she continues, but I need to know why the fuck I'm still here. It is sort of narcissistic when somebody's like, oh, I'm struggling with my purpose. I don't know what to do. To be like, you you exist to help me. You help me make me feel better. It's like, that's great, but that's, you know, I would want maybe a little more out of life. Yeah. It's good to feel needed, though. It is good to feel needed, but you also got to exist for your own sake. Cuts to the present. Lottie presents the gals with the induction activities of self-care, guidance, forage, and renewal. So yeah, uh, Matthew, if you were presented with the options of uh, self-care, guidance, forage, and renewal, which one would you choose? Uh, I don't know. That, that goat was pretty cute. <laughs> the goat was cute. It turned, Van interpreted forage to mean get really drunk, so, you know. Uh, what was the one that uh, uh, Misty chose? Uh, God, what one was it, actually? The Altered States one? I'd probably pick that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was either guidance or renewal. But I forget which. It's probably Renewal, but, you know, don't quote me on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, love the movie Altered States. Fantastic movie. I would leap at the opportunity to go in one of those weird isolation tank thingies. Yeah. Van says that this isn't for her. She tells Nat that she's glad she's alive and that Lottie is back from Switzerland, which apparently was like a fucking decade ago. Jesus. But then she's going to leave. Then Ty is like, I'll take Renewal. And then Van is like, oh, I'm going to stay because I'm still obsessed with you. Shauna says that all her rational instincts are screaming, lol, li- listen to those instincts, Shauna, listen to them. But she <laughs> They'll go- probably say, get the fuck out of here, yeah, these yeah. people are crazy. <laughs> but she goes with self-care. Misty chooses forage. Lottie ignores her and gives forage to Van instead, lol. Misty gets guidance. Yeah, that's what that was. Lottie tells them that they must give up their phones. Ty protests, but Misty is all, our devices keep us captive to other people's priorities. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, cell phones, captive, yep. I love that even 25 years later, Misty is still pretending to believe in cult nonsense in a desperate attempt to gain the approval of the group. Although, I will say, this specific tenant of the cult I actually think is among their more reasonable ones. Yeah. Like, I feel like most people today could use a break from Yeah, from phones. No, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Van says that she hates her phone, probably because it was made after the 90s. Matthew, you and she have so much in common. <laughs> a cult acolyte then shows Shauna around the barn and gives her an adorable baby goat to take care of for the day. Something she is, understandably, reluctant to do. The cult bloke informs her that self-care means taking care of the goat for the rest of the day, and thus experiencing all personal discoveries and sacrifices from that. Let's say this is not a new experience for her. Shauna reasonably surmises that she has to sacrifice the goat at the end of the day, and refuses. The acolyte tells her the only other option is mucking out the barn, so she reluctantly accepts. The goat's name is Bruce, which 
I don't know why, but that seems like a weird name for a goat to me. Like, a more normal goat name would be like... Gross. <laughs> don't bring me down. Oh. <laughs> me like general smelly beard or something. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely what you would name a goat if you had a goat. Yeah. Let's hope for the goat's sake that I don't have a goat. <laughs> it yeah. probably wouldn't uh, fare so well in the in the apartment. And the cats wouldn't like it, but yeah. It'd eat more than rope. It'd just eat all your carpet and your couch and shit like that. Indeed, it'd <laughs> eat a lot of carpet. Anyway, we uh, cut to a very interesting scene indeed, Matthew. I, I wanted, I'm really interested to know what you thought about this. Coach Ben is standing in the cabin, looking out the window, watching Ty and Van futz about with the fire pit. He hears a phone ringing, and he turns to see Paul answer it. His, I love this detail, his imagined apartment is now literally just the cabin with Paul and a phone in it. In the episodes three and four, when he first starts having the fantasies, he's like totally and completely in the fake apartment. In episode six, he's gradually losing his grip on the fantasy, so it looks like a combination of, of the cabin and the imagined apartment. Now it's literally just the entire cabin. Like, his any ability for him to lie to himself is leaving him. He's teetering on the edge of reality. Yeah, Paul, it's a great little set detail. Paul, listening to the person on the other end of the line, turns to Ben with a terrified expression. He protests that he isn't ready. Does he mean he isn't ready to abandon this fantasy, or he isn't ready to die? Because I think he's pretty ready to die, so I think it's probably the former. <laughs> well, he will be soon, unfortunately. Paul tells Ben that he needs to talk. He annoyingly dodges all of Ben's questions and asks, Where do you think you are, Ben? You had to have known you couldn't stay here forever. This was never meant to be your hiding place. Paul puts on Cabin Guy's massive coat and tells Ben that he is not welcome there anymore. Do you mean in the realm of fantasy? Both actors are amazing in the scene, by the way. Paul says, I love you. We all love you, Ben. Which, which, which is exactly what everyone said to Jackie in her death dream. We all love you, Jackie. He says the same thing to Ben. Is that, are the spirits calling to him? Is it just a coincidence? Is he, were they just similar kinds of hallucinations? Paul walks out the door. Ben's saving hallucination will save him no longer. Yeah, Ben runs outside, yelling for Paul, who, of course, is nowhere to be found. Ty and Van look at him concernedly. They ask if he's okay. He replies, yeah, I'm fine. I'm going to be just fine, with a terrifying expression on his face. In that moment, he seems to come to a decision. The only good thing Ben had in his life was a lie. And now even that is gone. Fantastic scene. I've, I, I liked Ben in the first season, but they've really made me fall in love with that character in this season, and I am desperately hoping against hope that he somehow manages to not die horribly. Yeah. But well, he will. Cross your fingers. Yeah. Uh, cut to Lisa leading Misty to the sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, Misty seems sceptical of this water coffin, as she puts it, but Lisa reminds her that the most authentic guidance comes from within. Lisa, like most humans, is repulsed by Misty. Misty makes an excuse and ditches this activity. Cut to the past. Misty is shoveling out the cabin yard, near to, but obscured, I think, behind like a tree or a boulder from the vision of Jen, Mari, and Akila. She's listening to them talk, unbeknownst to them. They're talking about the birth. Akila says that Misty was amazing and commends her for keeping her shit together at the end. Mari says that she was only able to do so due to being psychotic. Mari then... This is interesting to me. Technically not accurately, but in a deeper sense accurately, accuses Misty of killing Crystal, pointing out that she hasn't looked for her once. Like, technically she didn't kill her. Like, her death was an accident, but she was only in that situation because she revealed that she did something even more fucked up and she was threatening her, so it's like, 
Like she's still like partly responsible. Definitely partly at least, but yeah, definitely partly responsible. Yeah, so this makes Misty kind of freak out. Cut to everyone inside the cabin. Ben is shaving. It makes sense that they'd have a razor because like they would buy it, shave their legs and stuff, but then when they crash, they'd be like, who gives a fuck about that anymore? So they would just have like razors lying around. Like Misty and a deodorant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I loved that. Loved that little detail. And I'm very impressed you remember that, by the way. Um, Why so impressed? Do you think my memory is just a giant sieve? <laughs> I mean, no, but like I barely remembered it, you know. It, it's an interesting little detail, but yeah, I mean, is memory's not a sieve. Maybe like a sieve where some bits are filled in. <laughs> Misty. What, like a funnel? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, Ben is interesting in this scene. Misty addresses everyone, saying that although, of course, they are all really sad about the baby, they must focus on finding Crystal. Coach, like, in a way that he hasn't for a long time, steps up and is like, yeah, Misty's right. If Harvey could survive for a few months out there, then maybe Crystal could make it for a few days. Melissa suggests that maybe the wilderness took her and the baby. Jen says that maybe it'll give them something back. Ty predictably seems to think this is dumb. Lottie says that it doesn't work like that. The wilderness doesn't trade or haggle. It hears us. And it gave us what we wanted. Shauna lived. So, so Lottie, you're saying that your prayers weren't specific enough? This theology is getting remarkably incoherent. I mean, like Gaunter O'Dim would say, you know, yes. I always give people exactly what they ask for. The problem is that their wishes are not specific enough. Exactly. Exactly. And a very good parallel. And ah, uh, the bit where he puts a spoon in that man is horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> it's the last time you'll interrupt me. Yeah. <laughs> Play Hearts of Stone Witcher 3 DLC, listeners. It's fucking awesome. Everyone participates in a group prayer circle. Ty and Coach Ben decline to participate. It appears as if Ty's newfound acceptance of the situation has its limits. Lottie leads some of the others on an expedition to find Crystal. There's a really fun conversation then between Jen and Melissa, which is like, I hope they find Crystal alive. She's basically like, but maybe if she isn't, we could totally eat her? (laughs) And that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Very uh, little Eichmann of them. Misty overhears this appears quietly infuriated, and storms out of the cabin. Van pulls up the covers near Shauna to reveal the bloodstained blanket Lottie gave her. Shauna remembers her dream, grabs it, and throws it into the fire. Lottie, Ty, Misty, Mari, and Akilah are wandering about, yelling for Crystal. You'd have to shout pretty fucking hard for her to hear you where she is. (laughs) They've arrived at the tree stump shrine. Lottie tells the others minus Ty to leave them. Lottie tells Ty that she knew where Harvey was, and maybe she can find Crystal. Ty's like, I I didn't fucking know. Ty says that since she started doing Lottie's circles, she doesn't sleepwalk anymore. She says that maybe the other her is gone. Lottie is like, she's not gone. And that's a good thing, Ty. And her Ty's expression suggests she extremely disagrees. Yeah, I think the eventual resolution of Ty's storyline is more interesting if she doesn't, like, overcome or integrate her alternate personality but just like learns to live with it you know that would still be positive yeah no because like as they say in the the point at least as i understand it of the book dr jekyll and mr hyde is not that one man can become two it's that two men can become one and that man is not truly one but two yeah that's why they call it the duality of man indeed like that terrible slipknot song (laughs) oh Sorry. 
Sorry, people who like Slipknot. Yeah. Cut to Slipknot. No. Honestly, I don't really like Slipknot, but the QI episode with Corey Taylor is actually really fucking good. I mean, it just seems so weird for someone like Sandy Toxfig to be hanging out with the lead singer of Slipknot. That's like... If they were also in the cast of Ghost of Ghosts of Mars, it would officially be the most <laughs> incomprehensible. Really, those people movie ever. Oh my god, I'd so watch it though. Are you, we seem to be getting besieged by a lot of demons. That'd <laughs> uh, be so good. I like I like Sandy Toxic. Anyway, cut to adult Ty, painting a shack yellow with an absurdly small brush. She protests to a passing Lottie that this isn't solving any of her problems. Lottie asks her what her problems are, and she tells her about the sleepwalking. Lottie says, that other you? She always had a deep connection to the wilderness, and she had wisdom too. Ty protests that the other her wants to hurt her family, but Lottie is like, she may not want to. She just doesn't want to be suppressed. Well, that's Ty all over, while she wants to suppress everything. She's still a part of you, Ty. She will always be a part of you. Ty doesn't seem to like that idea much. (laughs) Yeah, Misty, in the present, approaches Shauna in the woods. Shauna tells her that she's caring for herself and a goat, which is just true to the rope, much to her consternation. But Misty has bait, as she has been hoarding food in case they decide to enforce caloric restriction to induce her out-of-body experiences. That's so her, it's also very realistic for a former starving person. Yeah. (laughs) They start calling out for Bruce, which reminded me of the bit in Dogtooth, where the chick names herself Bruce. (laughs) Great movie, watch Dogtooth. Uh, I love this exchange. Shauna is like, why do I give one single shit about this goat when Lottie's goons are just going to make me kill him? And then Misty's like, well, if it helps, you can just pretend it's your arty-farty lover. (laughs) You seem pretty quick to stab him. Yeah. to get stabby with him. Yeah, you seemed pretty quick to get stabby with him. And then she's like, I'm just joshing you. And Shauna's like, I don't want to be joshed about it. I'm not like you, okay? I don't think of killing as a joke. And then Missy replies that she's the only person who took Shauna's killing with the seriousness that it required. And Shauna says that she's, she's grateful that Missy's hobby seems to be figuring out how to be the perfect serial killer. <laughs> Lol, which is awesome. Why she's does like, everybody keep saying that to me? Well, because it's a fact. <laughs> well, you're not an innocent either. And she's like, I know that, Missy. Do you think I don't know that? They find the goat and hilariously Shauna is like, where do you think you're going? Not to a Mensa meeting, that's for sure. <laughs> An acolyte approaches Misty and says that Lisa is looking for her. Misty, Mari, and Akila in the past are all searching for Crystal. Misty starts weeping uncontrollably. Akila asks if she is okay, and Misty's like, I, I thought I was ready for this, but I'm just... I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid that when we find her, what if she looks like Jackie did? You know, all blue and stiff, a little song frozen in her throat. God, I love that detail. <laughs> That's so... Uh, I, Misty is amazing, and I love that line. It's such a good fucking line. It's so her. So yeah, she's being deceptive, but using her actual feelings to do so. Uh, Shauna also does that. Akilah says they will handle looking for Crystal. And Misty is great, seemingly grateful for that and wanders off. But then she's like, I'm not going to let them meet you, Kristen. A slightly sort of expositional line, like everybody got that audience, but also talking to oneself is a marker of the terminally lonely. Then we get a scene of Coach Ben determinedly walking through the snow, falling over a bit, and then picking himself back up. He looks pretty done. Cut to Shauna in the meat shed, desperately pleading for Jackie to talk to her. She does not oblige. And she starts weeping uncontrollably. 
In her present mental state, I shudder to think of what sort of things her projection of Jackie would say to her, though. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Shauna's emotions have no outlet, and will have none until the final scene of this episode. Yeah, in the present, Shauna walks back into the barn with Bruce and tells the cult guy that he ate some rope. The cult guy simply says that he is under her care. And she's like, look, it, it ate a bunch of rope, and part of me thinks that that might even be fine for goats, but I don't know, I'm just going off cartoons because you people took my phone. <laughs> this is amazing. She's like, it's one thing if I have to stab this goat later, but there's no fucking way it's dying on. I'm supposed to be watching it. I think goats will eat anything. Yeah, I, I believe they're all good. Yeah, I believe they're all I mean, don't make any veterinary advice based on that, but I think they can survive <laughs> eating more things than the average thing can. Definitely don't feed your goat rope don't unless like it's feed. part of its diet. Yeah, <laughs> balanced diet of roughage. <laughs> so Shauna instead decides to take the issue up with a passing Lottie. She says that she doesn't care what lesson Lottie wants her to learn. She's not going to kill this goat. Lottie is like, chill, you don't have to kill the goat. She says, I find it gives a person clarity to have to care for something so innocent. Shauna then, like, goes on this massive rant about, she's like, always kept her daughter at arm's length just out of fear that she would die, or maybe that she was never even real to begin with. Oh, fuck, that's a killer line. She's like, I try to tell myself that it's okay, that I'm safe to think of her as mine and just be her mom. But I think something is broken, Lottie. I just can't do it. Oh, fuck. Lottie doesn't really offer her seemingly much comfort either, which maybe is understandable if she's remembering the last time they talked about parenting in the woods. Mm. <laughs> Matthew, do you think it's realistic that she would just pour her heart out to Lottie like that? I mean, like, she's ostensibly almost her therapist. So. Yeah, basically, basically, yeah. And... Is and it, is and little, an old treasured friend. So it's in in a manner of speaking. <laughs> it does seem a little jarring, but she is going through a lot right now. And Lottie does have that effect on people sometimes. Cut to Lisa trying to persuade Misty to get into the tank. And she's like, no one cares that you are in the tank or here at all. Ouch. Also, some jealousy of her and Nat's closeness? Hmm. So yeah, Misty gets in the tank... The door closes and she is totally alone in the darkness. She hallucinates brief flashes of Walter and one of Crystal. And then maybe the weirdest scene in the show happens? Yeah. It was fucking awesome though, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe not as weird as if uh, she'd uh, transformed into a monkey. (laughs) Or indeed a lava monster, like in that movie. Yeah. God, that's a great movie. Then she would have had to like drink the blood of said goat. While in like a weird trip. Oh, I hope that happens. <laughs> she halluc- a good crossover. <laughs> she hallucinates a bunch of revolving bird people and Walter performing an incredible original composition, I think, about dancing on people's graves. <laughs> this is what her mind is like. Lol. Very Amir Varevry's, or whatever, however you say the his name. The white flame dancing, yeah. On the graves of his foes. Misty then has an interaction with Caligula as a human man, played by John Cameron Mitchell from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. This is... Such a great exchange. She says, Caligula, when people look at me, do they just see someone desperate for love? Just some murderer? Then he's like, how much do we all count on you? The truth is all around you. You refuse to see it. You're looking at the floor when you should be looking at the magic. How much do we all count on you? How many times did you get the ball over the goal line? Uh, zero, because she was the equipment manager. <laughs> she wasn't on the team. Take it from a bird... 
named after a Roman emperor who was also unjustly accused of heinous acts. I'm glad they acknowledge that, because like currently, I believe the historical consensus is that Caligula, the Roman emperor, was not that bad a guy. He was just unfairly, you know, propagandized as being a shithead. Very like that uh, that guy in The Devils. Indeed, indeed. It's fucked that that movie was based on real-life events. Yeah, good movie. We, we'll have to track down the one where she fucks that guy's bone. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just heavily implied. I'm, I don't think they Matthew, actually filmed it. I'm certain there is a version where she fucks the guy's bone. Uh, I mean, I'm certain maybe we'll track it down one day. You yeah. know, maybe on the deep web. Yeah, he's like, "You are not a murderer, Misty." She almost certainly is. You're a closer. She then hallucinates, calling Walter on her phone that looks like a giant pair of human lips from episode two of the first season. Great callback. Who responds with a bunch of Morse code beeps that are visualized as an animated love heart, and the Morse code means, "I love you." Backwards. Oh, that's cute. Misty excitedly runs out of the tank after having her epiphany that she is actually capable of being loved. She picks up the cult's landline, and she leaves a message for Walter, telling him that she never should have pushed him away like that, and that his grandma is really cool, the one that murdered his granddad. She also does the you-hang-up thing, which was really cringy yet adorable, and yeah, I get the feeling she might regret making this phone call. Cut to Misty in the past, searching for Crystal where she actually knows her to be. Snow at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah, Misty grows increasingly desperate as she cannot find her. She then climbs to the top of the cliff to discover Coach Ben, sitting on the ground and staring off into the distance with a thousand-yard look in his eyes. This scene fucking destroys me. It is one of the best of this season so far. Yeah, Ben is about to kill himself. But Misty is like, Ben, stop, you're too close to the edge. And he's like, that's the point. <laughs> and he just says, I'm not going to keep losing everything. Which, oh, fuck. Which is like, hey, Ben... Don't don't you dare, don't you dare. He asks, could you just push me off? And she's like, no, how could you even say that to me? It's like, Misty, I thought you were a fan of assisted suicide. <laughs> she says, look, Ben, we need your strength. Which he, he probably thinks, I don't have any fucking strength left. And then she's like, people are dying all around us. And life is so precious, okay? You can't just throw yours away. And this doesn't seem to convince him. He takes another step forward. So she puts away the carrot and takes out the stick. And he's like, Ben, if you kill yourself right now, we will eat you. And he's like, I don't care. She's like, I will savor every moment of it, especially your high-calorie butt meat. <laughs> line of the episode? Fantastic, fantastic line. Sounds like uh, something I love that would be said in a Michael Rosen YTP. It does. High-calorie butt, butt meat? meat. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? And then he's like, I don't fucking care, Misty. Like, he's just past giving a shit about anything and then she changes tactic and is like oh my god this is so fucked up yeah she says that she will tell the whole world of their love story and she'll tell them even worse that she will tell his parents that he was the one who impregnated Shauna fuck and that he tried to impregnate all of them uh, I love Love is probably the wrong word. I find it really interesting that she is saying such abjectly awful and disgusting things for the noble purpose of getting him to not kill himself. In a way, that's almost the show in the nutshell, saying or doing something fucked up because you think it's for the greater good. And then she threatens to tell the whole world that he's gay. That was the wrong thing to say. Because he's like, do it. Tell them. And then she just, exhausting all other options, just breaks down crying. Is like, please, I tried so hard to keep the baby alive. I'm sorry, please... Ben, I can't have another death on my hands. It's hardly on your hands, Misty, but, you know, 
Regardless, he steps away from the edge after everything he's been through and everything Misty specifically has put him through. He still cares about her to a degree. An appeal to simple human compassion accomplishes what threats could not. Like, Matthew, as you perceive it, what makes him step back from that ledge? Because you would think he wouldn't have much left to live for. Well, maybe he just, uh, yeah, feels like he's got a bit more to give to these crazy bitches. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Vicious little monsters, as he put it when talking with Paul. Yeah. When I was watching this scene, I fully expected him to go over the edge. Yeah. So, like, I'm, in watching it now, I'm like, what are they going to do with him now? I'm genuinely intrigued. I mean, you theorize that they'll probably eat him. Yeah. And I have not seen him, uh, you know... In the present. Current day Ben yet. Well, if he is there, he probably is staying far, far away from the rest of them. So yeah, that, like, I'm moving to Acapulco. Yeah, he's like, hello, I would I would like to be on the first manned flight to Mars. <laughs> like, you you know that it's, it's likely a one-way trip, right? He's like, yes, yes, so much the better. Perfect. And it's the classic Twilight Zone ending of, like, he's on the shuttle and can finally relax, and then Misty is like, hi, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope Ben makes it, dude. But he probably won't. Cut to the present. Night has fallen. Ty is out in the yard. She takes off her wedding ring and places it on a rock, with candles beside it. Van, who is drinking nearby, said that she doesn't see her marrying that rock's going to solve all her problems. Lol, reminds me of the movie Corpse Bride. Ty then asks why Van isn't doing woo-woo shit with the rest of them. Van chose forage, so she foraged some booze from her truck. What a legend. And Van is like, making offerings to the dirt, and she's like, yeah, something like that. Then, on a whim or an impulse, the two of them kiss. Passionately. It's fucking hot. Ty pulls away, apologizes, and Van is somewhat exasperated. She's like, Van, I'm so sorry. Of of course I've thought about it, but it's just going to be a long road before, well, before I can. And she's like, I can't wait for you, Ty. She's like, I'd never ask you to. It's like, no, I literally can't wait for you. I don't have that kind of time. I have cancer. Has your brain accepted that fact yet? No, and it never will. (laughs) This reveal fucking floored me, but in retrospect, it makes a lot of sense. The medication, her talking about reassessing one's priorities when you're at death's door, why she doesn't seem to care about her long-term health or her financial prospects, why she has, in Ty's words, given up on love. God, what a fucked up situation to be in to survive... All manner of horrible shit just to get taken out by the big C. Or as uh, they'd say in Metalocalypse, the big K. Exactly. But I fucking refuse to accept this. Do you hear me? I refuse to accept this. I love Van. She is not fucking dying. She's survived impossible situations before. She can damn well survive this one too. Yeah, and Lottie can just voodoo it out of her, right? Yeah, and into Officer Twightface. Yeah. And he will explode... Happy ending all round. ...in a gout of viscera. Everyone's happy. <laughs> Presumably not him, but fuck him. But yeah, yeah. Fuck him. And Van is like, you know when someone says they have cancer and then they're like, oh, but it's the best kind of cancer to have, or at least they caught it really early. This isn't one of those times. She says that she has months to live. Ty is like, Jesus fucking Christ, you're deciding to tell me now? And she's like... What are you talking about? You showed up at my door. I wasn't going to tell you at all. She's like, why the fuck not? And she says, because we don't know each other. Ouch. A brutal yet accurate line. She's like, what would you have done if I contacted you out of the blue? Send flowers through your office or message me on fucking Facebook? Yeah. 
Misty appears and calls to Ty, and Van advises her to act normal. What a fucked situation to be in, you know? I'm not accepting this. She will survive. They'll think of something. <laughs> we then cut to a scene of Lottie and her therapist, and ladies, gentlemen, and others, I would like to just humbly say, for the record, fucking called it! Also, uh, maybe she should go see Dr. B.G. Yeah. Presumably good at making people stay alive. Yeah. Lol. <laughs> or even Dr. Spachemin. <laughs> I got cancer, Dr. Spaceman. <laughs> Come up with a revolutionary new technique to... That's more David Cronenberg than Dr. Spachemin. <laughs> place your cancer in my ass. <laughs> and then the Moonawana will scare it out of existence. <laughs> Perfect logic. As we've come to expect. Lottie says to her therapist that even more of them are here now. And that this is proof of what she told him. And then the therapist is like, that this it is sending your old friends to you. She's like, this is what it wants for us to be together. And she's like, for what purpose? And she replies, well, them them being here, I feel it in my body. It's like something that's deep and primal. I haven't felt it in years and it feels wonderful. And yet I also feel fucking terrified. Her therapist tells her that in the past, in the woods, she was her truest, most authentic self. What is standing in the way of you embracing that again? Lottie protests that we hurt each other. People died. But her therapist responds, Is there anything of value in this life that doesn't come with risk? Or loss? Or consequence? And she's like, are you saying what I think you're saying? She's like, you tell me. The therapist then transforms into the fucking Antler Queen with all the get-up. Ah! She says, does a hunt that has no violence feed anyone? It's fucking terrifying. And this confirms, as I theorized, that her therapist was never real. It was just her fucked up brain telling her to embrace her fucked up brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is so terrifying because this means that she now can't trust anything she sees. It could all be a hallucination. I mean, could she ever? Well, yeah. Cut to the main area of Lottie's cabin. Nat wants to talk with them about what they learned that day. She hopes they all got something unexpected out of it. Yeah, Ty definitely got something unexpected out of it. (laughs) She says that, I know we're not the type of people to just buy into bullshit, and this place definitely has some bullshit, I won't deny that. But I think it's more about discovery and finding something within yourself that you never really knew was there. Yeah, she asks them if they want to get started. Shauna says that she has already gotten started drinking some of Van's tequila. And then she's like, where did that come from? And she's like, from Van. And Van is like, you knock. <laughs> Which is adorable. <laughs> God, I love her. I don't want her to die. Nat admonishes them for not being more present. Shauna points out, kind of reasonably, that it's a bit weird for her to be telling them not to fuck around. Shauna suggests they just hang out for a bit. Oh, they will. They all sit down on the floor. Now it still refuses to drink, though, which, good for her. Lottie wanders towards the common area. Seeing all her friends hanging out, she looks conflicted. She bursts in and tells them all to go home. But they don't want to. I think they might regret that decision. But yeah, Van tells her to sit with them. Think about it like group therapy, except not bullshit, because there's booze. <laughs> Nat says, we're all here. I think it might be time for you to stop resisting. Yeah, I kind of think maybe Lottie should keep resisting when you consider exactly what it is that she's resisting. But yeah, Lottie agrees, and Florence and the Machines free plays over a cute girl's friendship montage. I'm sure nothing horrifying will happen here. 
the second Florence and the Machine song in the episode. Yeah. Natalie is like, okay, Misty, what's up with that guy? Is he your boyfriend? And Misty is like, oh, you know, his name is Walter. We met online, so it's pretty new. We haven't really defined the relationship. But, you know, when you know, you know. And Van is like, does he know? (laughs) Which rules. And they say that they're happy for her. That's nice. And then she's like, "Uh, but what does he do? And she's like, oh, he doesn't have a job job. He's dedicated to his passionate pursuit of knowledge. And Ty's like... Nice. So where does he go to prison? <laughs> Which is a great line. I, it's a great line. I love them interacting together. They start talking about Nat sleeping with Kevin Tan and talk about Misty watching. And she's like, that's not true. I did not watch those parts. And Van is like, was she watching some parts? Phrasing. There you go. <laughs> mm. Misty attempts to reminisce about the first summer when they were stranded. And Van is like, what the fuck? You want to casually reminisce about our time in fucking oblivion? And Misty was like, no, you don't know what I was going to ask. And Zaya's like, how about we never find out? But Natalie actually brings that up. Says that she has kind of a weird question, but she's been thinking about it. How much do you guys remember? She remembers but it's like some things are hazier than others and Ty is like, yeah, like they've been stuffed somewhere deep down. Lottie says that that's a familiar cognitive response. In an ecstatic state, the human body can't hold memory that well. Shauna says, Well, if I'm repressing things I don't know about, I am very okay with never figuring it out. I feel you, Shauna. But Lottie says that they always end up manifesting in some way. Don't they? I mean, compulsive behavior, addiction, disease, cutting your own bangs, as Van suggests... And she says, we're all deeply familiar with the terrible parts. Thank you, Lottie. Yeah, Van walks over to get a refill. Ty walks over to her and is like, hey, I know a specialist at Johns Hopkins, again, solution-oriented person, but, like, I'm pretty sure she's been to specialists, you know? Like, I don't know if you can fix this, Ty. I think the woods need to fix this. You never know. Maybe they've got some super crazy nuclear medicine at Johns Hopkins. Also, I know that... Previous to this point in the podcast, I've been kind of taking an agnostic viewpoint to, like, is the woods magic real or not? If it can heal Van, if it can make adult Van okay, I will 1,000% believe it. (laughs) I will dance naked in the fucking treetops if you want me to. Just putting it out there. (laughs) The song Lightning Crashes by Liv plays. I really like this song. Liv are in a confusing band to look up concert recordings of. Yeah, I can imagine. It's Liv Live. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, you guys, I love this song. They start dancing. There's a really cute Nat and Lottie moment where they're dancing together. Song continues playing. Oh, this scene. Oh, this scene. As we cut to the past. Where the yellow dragons are in a prayer circle on the floor. And it's exactly the same arrangement as they were in Shauna's dream when they were eating the baby. Dun, ah, dun, dun. It's such a great little detail. Like, you'd just miss that if you weren't there. Misty is humming the thing that Lottie was humming in the dream. Sean was like, why are you singing that? Where did you hear that song? And he's like, I don't know. I think Chris was singing it. And as she's saying this, Shauna walks over and fucking punches her in the face. As you do. Yeah, intercut with the modern yellow jackets, discovering to their joy that it is snowing. Yay, it's snowing outside. They all run outside and dance around in the snow. While the song plays, it's actually a beautiful scene. 
Shauna starts screaming at Misty while the others are holding her back. You killed my fucking baby! You killed my fucking baby! And Nat is like, stop. Shauna, Misty did everything she could. She's like, no, shut up. You all fucking ate my baby. I saw you. You were covered in blood. And Ty is like, Shauna, stop it. You're acting insane. She bites Van to stop it from holding her in the arm, which is kind of fucked. Lottie then steps up and stands opposite Shauna and says, Travis, take Harvey to the bedroom. Van is like, what? As if, what what the fuck are you doing? He's like, Shauna, I know there's a lot of pain right now, but let it out. Shauna, we need you. Let it out. So she does. She just, oh, fucking beats the shit out of her. Like, face, chest, everything, kicking and punching her, like, pummels her, like, dozens of times in the head. By the end of it, she looked like fucking, you know, Jared Leto in Fight Club, as you pointed out. Yeah, after Edward Norton's done with him. Oh, Jesus Christ. And the others are just standing around like, should we do something? Nah, I better just let this run its course. Uh, They're in a bold new world now of social norms. Yeah, this is... Shauna is fucked. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand why she's profoundly upset. But yeah... She is low-key the most dangerous of them all, even more so than Misty. <laughs> Just fucking saying something. At least in terms of pure physicality. Yeah. So as Shauna collapses after beating the shit out of her next to Lottie, and is like, Lottie, Lottie, are you alive? Fuck you. And then she, like, <laughs> snorts and chokes and breathes, and Shauna storms out and goes and sits in the snow outside and massages her bruised knuckles in the snow. And the rest of the other jackets immediately sort of snap out of their trans and are like, okay, fuck, we gotta get towels and shit, we gotta help her. You know, desperately try and keep Lottie alive. It's, yeah, that was a fucked scene to end on, but it's not actually a scene they end on because, uh, as the yellow jackets are having fun, an uh, acolyte appears and says there is an urgent call for one of her guests, namely Shauna. And then, oh. Jeff. I love Jeff in this scene. Yeah, wishful thinking. <laughs> and it's like, Shauna. Yeah, Jeff is calling her as uh, the TV is on in the background where Jeff is showing them digging up Adam's body where he's like, yeah, do you um recall the missing man from your recent auto collision? I have some difficult news. He's uh, dead. And the authorities believe they found his remains buried at Hackle State Park, which, uh, uh, fuck me. I love him trying not to incriminate them. How the fuck is she going to get out of this one? Don't know. I mean, my self-indulgent hope is that Lottie and Shauna and the rest of them will murder and cannibalize Officer Twatface so the investigation is halted. (laughs) But that would be, like, just an awesome and hilarious and great thing to happen, and I think something fucked up and upsetting to the audience needs to happen, so it's probably not going to be just that. So, yeah. Good fucking episode. I'm beyond excited to see what happens next. Only two episodes left. Yeah. Ooh. Excited. The next one is called It Chooses, which is, is a isn't terrifying... is technically three episodes? No, no, no. There's two left. What? Is it only going to nine? It's only going to nine, yeah. Oh. Tragedy. Ah, well. That was the amount of time they thought that would tell. Uh, I'm not going to say the thing about you having any more thoughts because you don't. Um, <laughs> well... Hey, you never know. Do you? No. Cool. <laughs> Well, listeners, uh, that's all of my thoughts. Thought this was a good episode. Can't wait to see what happens next. I'm fully in denial about the Vanser storyline. 
Novanza. Novanza. Hashtag Novanza. <laughs> anyway, that's all. Listeners, be well. And remember, we're not out of the woods yet. <laughs>